Hello and welcome to this very special UK and Ireland Top 100 Courses podcast. I'm Neil Tappin, Digital Editor of Golf Monthly, and I'm joined by Top 100 Senior Panellists Jez Elwood and Rob Smith, as well as Golf Monthly's editor Mike Harris. We discuss the new Top 100 rankings, go in depth on the top 10, pick out our favourite holes, hidden gems and much more. Okay, well, let's start our look at the top 10 courses in the UK and Ireland, but in particular also the top 100. So we've just released a list of what we think are the top 100 courses in the UK and Ireland. And I think the first talking point is how do you rank a golf course? Because we've all been down this road before where you've gone to play somewhere, you've played really well, and it's just the best day you've ever had. And it go, suddenly goes in your top 10 list of golf courses. How are you able to kind of um, piece it together in a way that makes it fair for everybody. Um, what's the process that Golf Monthly go through to rank a golf course? I'll kick in with that, if I may. Um, we have a, a set of criteria that we've been using now for about 12, 14 years since the, the rankings first started. And to be honest, uh, it was an ill-conceived list at first in terms of the actual criteria because it was so new to everybody. But we've refined that over the years to such an extent that over the last six or eight years the criteria have not changed at all. So we've got very specific things that we look for as a group that we think will be the things that will appeal to all golfers in general. And they are things like the quality of the design and the test itself. Then there's the conditioning. And then we move on to the visuals of the place where you are. And then there's more touchy-feely stuff like the clubhouse, the welcome, the whole experience. But overall, it's a set of criteria we've used for, for many years now and seems to meet with reasonable approval. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll just jump in there as well. And obviously, I think how you play on the day is, you know, as golfers, golf's all about having fun. And I think you, you probably have more fun if you play well than if you don't play well. But, but obviously, as Rob's explained with that criteria, uh, that there is what we're not doing. We're not awarding marks for how well you played. So you do need to divorce that from when you're assessing a golf course. Um, and also you need to divorce things like the weather as well, because obviously we play in the UK and Ireland, very changeable conditions. Some of the, my uh, most, uh, I guess, some of the courses I've been most impressed by, I've either played badly at or I've played in really poor conditions. But I try not to let that cloud what I, you know, how I assess a golf course. And obviously by having that, those rigid criteria, that of course it leaves some room for interpretation. You know, how you feel the course tests you, your view of the condition. But I think it's trying, it's looking to take as many variables out of the equation when we're, when we're, when we're ranking courses. Would that, would that be fair, Jez, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you think of weather, uh, we all went to Old Head, didn't we, a few years ago as a team, and the weather could only be described as pretty horrific, but <laughs> there were smiles on the faces all round when we came off the course despite that. So it is possible to take that out of the equation and assess something for what it is rather than what you wish it might have been on a better day. Yeah. And I would ask, so Rob, when you were talking about the criteria, you were mentioning, you know, the design of the golf course and the conditioning. And I would say that if you're ranking golf courses, venues, they're probably more important than, for instance, the quality of the decor in the clubhouse and the experience that you have when you first. Is, is there any kind of account taken for that part of things? Yeah, yeah, the criteria is certainly weighted. And um, overall, you know, it's about golf, isn't it? So it's about the experience on the golf course that, that, that counts for the vast majority of it. So 35% of the, the markings are for the actual design and the test of the challenge that you're facing. And another 30%, so, you know, in total, two-thirds of the marks go really onto the course itself because they're on the condition and the presentation of the course. The next set is another sort of 15% or so goes to how it looks, the individual holes themselves, and then the views around the course, because they are very important to us. And I think that something that we've learned out of lockdown is actually the setting and the, the atmosphere of where you are is extremely important too. So it's really sort of the last 20% or so that's the clubhouse and the, the ambience of the whole place and the food and the catering. But again, we're actually talking about experience. We want to go out and enjoy our days out. So we do look at the overall experience. We very much... Um, uh, rank it on the course itself uh, as the high, most highly rated uh, aspect. 
Yeah, I think it, it is. You're right there, Rob. It is about the whole experience because uh, all the golf courses within our top 100 rankings, they're premium priced. You sort of get what you pay for. These are some of the very, very best golf courses in the world. Um, so I do think how you are treated as a visiting golfer, um, the welcome you get, the facilities, you should feel like a member for the day. I, I think we all believe in that. And the clubs who um, don't just sort of grudgingly take people's, um, you know, golfers green fees and just sort of, you know, see it as a bit of a privilege that you're playing their golf course. It's sort of, you know, th that welcoming with, with open arms, having access to um, pretty much or, or in so far as possible, the same facilities that members would have, I think is, is really important. And that's a sort of, I think those are things that, you know, can be, can be sort of crucial in whether you go back or not. Did you feel welcome? Did you feel like a valued customer? And I think that, you know, that is encapsulated in the, in that sort of experience factor. And, um, I mean, I know, Jez, we obviously thought long and hard about excluding courses that uh, you weren't able to play as a, j just as a sort of standalone visitor. And that was a decision we took a few years back. That yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how we came to that decision or why we came to that decision. Well, I suppose first it's worth saying in, in this country, we're quite lucky in that we don't have a vast number of those kind of establishments um, compared to America, where a list of courses you can't play would be as long as ones you can in some, some parts of the country. But over here, we've maybe got half a dozen to a dozen. And I think what we felt was that we were getting feedback from readers and others saying we don't really want to know about golf courses we can't play so we thought long and hard about that and it kind of made sense what is the point of us extolling the virtues of somewhere that the vast majority of people have got no realistic chance of going to play um so we did take that decision and i, I don't think we've not had a huge amount of flack for it either from golfers or from clubs so i think we hope that it's a vindicated decision. And of course, you know, you might be able to engineer your way onto one of those places. Yeah. There are ways and means, but you can't go just as a green fee player. Whatever the green fee is, you can't go to those places as a visiting green fee player and say, I'd like to play your course. Here's my 400 quid or whatever it might be. You just can't do it. So courses where you can't go as an unaccompanied visitor are no longer eligible for our, for our list. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make any of those courses that, you know, have been you know, don't meet our, you know, sort of criteria. It doesn't make them bad golf courses. And, you know, and, and actually, if, if you get an invite along, if you've managed to network your way to an invite to one of those sort of courses, you probably will have a fantastic uh, day out there. But obviously what we want to provide is, you know, is that practical list. It's very much a sort of for golfers, by golfers. We don't, um, you know, all, all our panel are just, you know, ordinary golfers in inverted commas. We don't have golf course architects. We don't have tour professionals or elite amateurs who will look at things through a very different, you know, different lenses to, to how we do. And it's not just about, as Rob was saying, it's not just about first tee to 18th green because, you know, there's there's a lot more to golf than just, um, you know, just that sort of pure, you know, one to 18 experience. I think you've got, you know, to be able to look out some of the, you know, the in, inward beauty of some golf courses or the, you know, the outward beauty of, um, you know, of course, I'm so, we're so lucky in, in the UK and Ireland that, you know, variety of courses we've got and just how, you know, how stunning they are. Mm. Um, now, my, one question, and this one is going to be squarely for you, um, is on the relationship. So the top 100 courses, um, uh, UK and Ireland courses piece that we've, we've put together is, uh, is with Golf Monthly magazine. Um, it's with the May issue. And there's advertising that goes along with mm. that list that we've created. Now, can you just, as I know we're going to get a lot of comments about it and questions about it, so can you just clarify what the relationship is between the products, the top 100 courses, and the advertising that goes into it? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one that happens for for a long time or really for the, for the whole of the rankings. I, I, I've resisted um, the temptation to allow advertising 
from courses that feature in the top 100 um, to, to go in the whether it's pages in the magazine uh, or in this case in a supplement. But interesting, I, I had we had a lot of feedback over the last um, two years from clubs to say that we'd really like the opportunity to celebrate our inclusion in the rankings. You know, what opportunities are there? Um, and had a long, hard think about it. And of course, I never, you know, you cannot buy inclusion within the top 100. So what we did is we finalized the list, Jez, Rob, and myself, obviously taking into account all the hundreds of rounds that have been played by our assessing panel, came up with a final, final list. Uh, and then I personally contacted, um, it's not all 100, because obviously there, there's a number of courses that have, a number of clubs that have more than one course, whether it's Sunnydale or Berkshire or Woburn uh, or up at St Andrews, trying to think that there'll be, there's a number of courses that, you know, 36 or in the case of Woburn, 54 hole um, operations where multiple courses feature. But, but I contacted them and said, congratulations, you've made it into the top 100. Um, there are some opportunities for you to celebrate your inclusion. Uh, I can't let you know what position you are in the rankings. I'm just telling you you're in. Um, and, you know, here are some options. Uh, and it sort of was advertising um, uh, pages within within the supplement or, or follow-up coverage or some social media where we would highlight a, a club that has made it into the into the top 100. And it was, it's been really, and, and people will see when they, if they pick up the supplement, the range of courses who have taken up that those opportunities it, it's it, it's everywhere from um from top 20 courses right through to courses in the uh in in the 90s interestingly a couple of courses said they didn't want to actually advertise in um in the supplement they wanted to you know that th th they were a little bit nervous of of uh, of advertising if they'd gone down and I said well, I, you know actually I you know I could have said to them don't worry you haven't gone down in fact you've gone up but I didn't do that because I, I wanted this to be 100 percent um you know a, a, a above board so we sort of actually walked away from business um but that was the right thing to do and um you know I hope those clubs who, who've you know who've invested in some advertising some amplification uh, are, are are pleased with what they um what they've got and it's just it, you know it's it, obviously the, the rankings are 100 percent editorial it's through our own eyes we tell the story of each course in the way we want to uh clubs courses will want to you know talk about their own messages and uh, um you know how they style themselves may not be how you know uh we might style them i think it was that you know we, we always used to laugh that so many courses would rank themselves as you know dear old peter alice absolutely you know peter Alice, what you know sadly no longer with us but but peter would often have you know been to a course and um you, you know sort of you know said because uh, every course is fantastic there's no such thing as a bad golf course some are just better than others but peter might say this is an absolutely fantastic you know one of surrey's finest courses or one of you know um northumberland's finest courses and of course golf course is rightly proud of you know anything you know that is favorable said by somebody as respected as peter alice so that would become what you know some of their marketing um what peter alice thought of a golf course had you know no bearing on our rankings so we've just you know we try to tell everything in our own voice but we have allowed clubs and courses the chance to amplify their um their listings i'm pleased with the way that it's worked out i suppose i have to wait and see reaction from all the 100 courses that feature and then also from you know from our readership whether that's magazine or or, or online to to gauge how well that's been received but so it's it's something that i've resisted for a while um but actually it was overwhelming feedback from clubs themselves that made me rethink for this time yeah and, and hopefully people can appreciate that by Adver uh, allowing advertising in it we're able to fund the product that we're able to put out which hopefully means you know better photography and um just the quality of what we're putting together you yeah. know better year on year or um 
however often it is that we produce it. So one for Rob and Jez, when Mike mentioned there that golf courses can move up or down, how's that process work? Because isn't a golf course over the course of the sort of two year mm -hmm. assessment process, isn't it fairly similar or do or tell us what happens there? Well, I think the first thing to say would be competition is fierce and has become fiercer and more and more clubs are doing work than would have been the case 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and I think they're seeing other clubs doing it that they could consider themselves as good as and they want to either keep pace or edge back ahead of them. So it's certainly in the last assessing period, which ended up being a little longer because of um, lockdown, some 70% of courses fed back to us, contender courses, that uh, they had had what might be termed fairly significant work done. And that could be a whole host of things. But in some cases, it's brand new golf holes, um, reroutings. Uh, I think maybe Trump, uh, I'll use the name there, let's just call it Turnbury, um, and Port Rush put in new golf holes in recent times. And I think that's kind of raised the bar a bit in terms of people in the top 100 thinking, right, okay, we, we can go to that extreme. We could even put new holes in, even though we're already a top 100 course. So I think it's emboldened people to be even more adventurous in what they do to up their game. That's an interesting point, Jez, because you, you think, well, we've got a fantastic golf course as it is. We don't need to do anything. But I guess that the point is, if you're just standing still, chances are somebody out, else out there, like in every other walk of life, might be doing things in a way that slightly, you know, gets the, the, the edge over you. Well, as Rob will say in a minute, I mean, standing still almost in our top 100 now is, is going backwards. Is that not the case, Rob? It certainly is. I've put as much into the, the May issue, the fact now that uh, there are clubs who actually may have improved very slightly, who will actually go down because others have improved to a greater degree. We as golfers are incredibly um, spoiled because the, the standards of the uh, presentation, conditioning and the improvements to golf courses are continuing at a pace that make it a complete treat for us wherever we go. So we are forever experiencing new and better courses and by new I've, uh, there is only one new new one that we need to talk about in a little while but in terms of new designs on existing course it's interesting that you know if you take Liphook, a, a well-established old course even there you, you're having new holes coming in form be looking at new holes in the future you know they don't even haven't really decided on yet i think that it's it's so exciting for golfers and golf clubs it makes it super tough though because uh, the clubs themselves need big budgets to, to stay in contention. Sadly, they, they have to invest heavily in their, their greatest product, which is their, their course, just to, to keep where they are. Um, it sounds also like the judging process is very, very difficult as a result, but I'll have you know world's smallest violin because you do get the chance to go and play some of the best golf courses in the world as part of being on the panel for this process. Um, and I'm gonna put you all three of you on the spot here. I'm not going to ask you what your favourite golf course is on the list. We might come on to that a bit later on. But what I'm going to ask you is give us a hidden gem. Give us something that you think people might not necessarily have heard of, especially people who aren't necessarily from the UK or Ireland. But they maybe should hear about. They maybe should put on their radar as somewhere to think about visiting at some point in the future. Uh, Jez, you go. OK, well, I mean, hidden gem is obviously a relative term in these, these uh, lofty um heights but i would say broadstone uh, which is one of three excellent heathland courses down near bournemouth probably doesn't have the the wider reputation of perhaps some of the surrey courses but for me it's a fantastic route heathland route lots of changes in elevation lots of work done recently to restore some of its cult credentials and bunkering uh, and you know there's often a, a choice between those three bournemouth courses as to which one is your favorite I'm a little bit torn on it, but I think in terms of the, the quality of the, the routing and the experience, Broadstone possibly just edges it. But, and where is it on the list, Jez? I think it's 93, yes. Yeah, and it is a great golf course. I'm lucky enough to have played that myself, and I know how good it is. Rob? Um, right, I'm going to go uh, for one that I haven't played for way too long, but fingers crossed pandemically, um, I'm booked to play in July. I'm going back down to Pennard in, in South Wales, which came in two times ago into the, the rankings, I think into the top 100 from the next 100. It's um, the links in the sky. It's just 
I, I keep banging on about this. For me, setting and, um, and, and the visuals are really important. And I think this is just a, a stunning place to be. It's so beautiful. The views over the course itself and down over the coastline and out to sea. I'm thoroughly excited about going back to see it for the first time in probably 25 years. <clears throat> Sounds good. I've not played that one, Rob. I'll have to correct that. Um, Mike? Will. Yeah, that's a couple of really good. Those guys have actually taken two of what would have been on my shortlist. I remember playing Pennard, just me. Uh, I think about two other golfers on the course, but a lot of cattle. Um, I walked up one hole with a um, herd of cows for company. It's absolutely brilliant. It's an amazing experience. Uh, Broadstone, another great golf course, seriously tough course there. I'm going to go for Murkar, which I hope is the correct pronunciation, up on the Aberdeenshire coast. It's right next door to Royal Aberdeen, which is a very, very highly ranked uh, course. I think Royal Aberdeen's in our top 20. I'd need to refresh my memory on that. But Royal Aberdeen's a fantastic golf course. Uh, and as well up there, you have the Trump links as well which is an amazing golf course, incredible experience. Um, and also you've got Cruden Bay, which I think is getting a lot of plaudits. It photographs so well uh, and it's got some spectacular holes, but Merca really holds its own up there. I thought the variety of holes was exceptional. I've got some big dunes there, but also some more subtle um, links holes and I just love that, you know, there's some really short, sporty par fours as well. Um, yeah, I, I played all four of them on a trip maybe three years ago, and I love them all. But but Merca is a, you know, as Jess said, you know, can you really be, can you be a hidden gem if you're in our top 100? Probably not. But, <laughs> but in that sort of company, then I thought Merca was, was, was really great. Some, some outstanding holes there. Very, very <laughs> worth a visit. And it's one to consider if you're thinking about putting a golf trip together, as Rob said, oh. pandemic notwithstanding, one not to forget about, actually, because I guess there's so many well-trodden golfing kind of like collections of golf courses around the UK and Ireland that people might think of going to. And certainly Aberdeen area would be one yeah. to consider as part of that. Yeah, Rob, I think you wrote a piece, didn't you, that's going in the, it's in the supplement about great areas. To, I mean, we're so blessed with collections of courses um that you can if you you know if you get yourself organized and you save a bit of money because as we said top 100 golf courses are not you know are, are, tend to be premium price there are some great areas to go and Aberdeenshire is certainly um one of them yeah we, we we've certainly we have um put something into the supplement about great areas to play uh we've also done quite a bit on the website recently about the best areas to play with clusters of top mm. quality golf i.e top 100 links and and, and the rest uh, on the website recently, one for each of the home nations. So um, they're well worth having a look at. And if you don't just want to play premium price top 100 golf courses, but you want to play good quality golf courses as well, I'm sure there are other ones in those areas that just require a bit more uh, research around, around that. So, right, I want to talk about the top 10 in particular. But before we get onto that, just one quick question before that. Um, what were the new entries into the top 100 this year? Um, okay, well, we have two new entries this time. One, a brand new golf course. One, a course um, that's completely remodeled itself over the last three or four years. And we have one re-entry. So um, start with the brand new entry, Dunbarney Links in Fife, which opened pretty much as lockdown one struck last year. Um, managed to still open um, more or less on schedule. And I think it's had nothing but rave reviews from pretty much everyone who's been there. It's a spectacular setting. Elevated above the Firth of Forth, some great holes playing down towards it, and uh, lots of risk-reward, which is a, is a great feature, isn't it, when you have more than one way of playing a given hole, depending on ability and wind direction and so on. Um, then we have Princes down on the Kent coast, one of three open championship links, almost back-to-back -back down there in Sandwich Deal, and they have remodeled the golf courses there um, under the guidance of Martin Ebert. Uh, there are two brand new holes, so it now has holes facing the sea. Uh, Jess, just for the, for the sake of people listening to this, who's Martin Ebert? Martin Ebert is uh, one of the most in-demand golf course architects of the moment. He works with mm -hmm. another guy called Tom McKenzie, and I think between them, 
it was certainly well over double figures of the, the top 100 courses that the pair of them had worked on during the last assessing period. And Martin Ebert does a lot of work on many of the Open Championship links. So they are probably the, the most uh, in-demand uh, golf course architect team in UK Premier League circles at the moment. Right. Okay. So let's start by looking at our top 10 golf courses in the UK and Ireland, according to Golf Monthly, according to Golf Monthly's top 100 courses uh, and the various different panellists that we have working on it. So, Rob, I'm going to start with you. Uh, number 10 in the list is Sunning Down New. Tell us yeah. about it. Well, um, the question in my uh, lucky role of, of writing about golf courses I get asked more than any is, if you could play anywhere, where would it be? My stock answer, without even thinking about it, which has not changed for a long time, is a day at Sunningdale. So you've got Sunningdale New and Sunningdale Old. The new, um, about 10 or 12 years ago, um, got promoted via the rankings just slightly above the old, which actually to the members at Sunningdale seemed to be uh, to go down very well. They, they thought it's, and it is, it's the tougher test of the two. Um, but this time round, and if you're not happy, I'll deal with 10 and 9 together, really, because it's, it's the two Sunningdales. The old has gone back over the new. And it's, it's, it's a very difficult call, this, because the old has old school charm and, and more quirkiness, whereas the, the new is a substantially tougher test, probably, of golf and shot making. But together, they make the perfect day out. Um, the new at 10, perhaps slightly just edged by the old this time, simply on the, on the basis of the fact that more and more we, we seem to be thinking that we want to enjoy our golf and perhaps the old certainly <laughs> won't beat you up quite as much as the new. So I think at 10, we have new and at nine, number nine, at the old, which has gone up two places from 11. So uh, they're both roughly where they were before, but with the old just pipping the new. So if you, if you had 36 holes at Sunningdale in a day then, Rob, uh, and lunch in between, which order would you put them in? Would you go old first and new for the afternoon, or do you think you'd want to get the the new done in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I, um, you definitely the second way around. You actually, it's it's a lot of hard work on the new. I mean, it's it's a stunner visually as well. I'm, apart from on an eighteen where you go sort of go out to it and come back from it, the views out over the new are, are immense. But there are some brutally difficult, tough par fours out there as well. So I'd play the new in the morning enjoy my lunch perhaps with a half of shandy or something and then tackle the old in the afternoon and then you've played two of the, the uk and ireland's top 10 golf courses in one one day which would be quite good yeah, a good effort so mike that leads on to number eight on the list a golf course that many people listening to this will be very familiar with uh what is it it's royal port rush there's not a lot of change in the top 10 and you know we don't sort of have huge you know ups and downs it's not like the top 40 hit parade um from you know share my age there from 20 years ago um i mean port rush was such a stunning setting for the 2019 open championship uh, obviously hadn't been played there for for a long long time i went back i played it twice now went maybe once 20 years ago and then once sort of three years ago i went back with kevin murray uh, and we did a did a piece looking at the changes, as Jez said, um, that, you know, some significant changes went in in the run up to the to the open new holes. It is a spectacular golf course. It is very difficult. It is very, very difficult. There are no easy holes uh, at Port Rush, but it's a stunning setting there on um, on the coast up in up in Northern Ireland. Some amazing views um and a great variety of holes it keeps twisting and turning um so just a, a really a really great layout and it's a, it's a fantastic links course yeah and i think anybody who watched shane lowry put his final round score together in some quite bleak weather conditions and anyone who's played the golf course will know just how good that you know that performance was at the open and that's the great thing about i mean just just to interlude for a second that's the great thing about the top 100 golf courses in the uk and I, when they've had big tournaments on them you're able to watch those tournaments and you have literally trodden in the footsteps of these players in a way that other sports just don't let you do you know you've played at one of the best golf courses of the world royal port rush you know, you might have played it in brilliant conditions, you might have played it in terrible conditions, but it's probably something like they had at the Open on one of the four days. And you can really sort of, you've got a sort of almost a shared experience with the best players in the world. And number seven, Jez, on yeah. the list, is another Open venue. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, if ever there was a course, yes. Ever there was a course that should be marked down because of how you played, Birkdale would be it for me. <laughs> I drove up there five hours from Sussex, got out of the car and started 797. It was a decent phone number, but not a very good golf score. But what I love about Birkdale is the way that it... Um, you play through the valleys between the dunes almost the whole way round. So there are a, quite a number of holes where you can't see other holes. There are some exceptionally good par threes. And there's a, a chance at the end with the, the par 517th, which mm. obviously Harrington took full advantage of when he won the open there. But it's just um, for our older Lynx courses, it's one of the ones with perhaps the taller dunes, which really, rather than going over them and um, making it awkward, it just plays through the valleys between them almost from start to finish. It's just a fantastic golf course. Now, one of the things, Jez, you hear a lot about Birkdale is people say it's one of the fairest golf courses you can play. How are you able to kind of assess something like that? How, how could it be that much fairer than other golf courses on this list? Um, well, I think you, you all see what's ahead. I don't think there's any blind holes that other than maybe when you're taking on the corner on 17 so I think you can always see what you've got to do it's then just a question of whether you've got the ability and the skill to do it in in whatever conditions you're presented with on the day so there's no there's no hidden tricks I mean probably the toughest thing about it is the first hole which kind of kinks both ways and is pretty long for your first blow of the day but after that you, you can see what's got to be done can you do it and I guess as well just jumping in really quickly there that they're pretty flat fairways aren't they it's not you don't tend to get some of the uh, less kind bounces that you'd get maybe at a somewhere like Royal St. George's. Yeah. Where it sits. So as you say, even though you play through these valleys, so you'd think, crikey, there's going to be some, you know, a lot of movement in the fairways. There is subtle movement, but it's not. And there are some really interesting cambers on, on holes that will take you away from where you want to go. Um, but I think it's, as you you know as you say you can everything's there in front of you and that you you get fewer uh bad bounces than you do at um a number of links courses i think jez mm. you did make your 797 start sound perhaps passable actually as you were describing how difficult the start was so moving on to number six on the list rob one of those that people who've played it just always talk about it in such glowing terms. It's a fantastic golf course. One thing everybody always says about it is it has one of the hardest par threes ever on it. Um, and they say, don't they say that the second shot into the second is the hardest shot in golf at, at Royal Dornock? And that's it's a par three, right? Well, I, I think they do. Um, I'll confess to uh, Mike was um, talking about um, showing his age here. My, when I first played Royal Dornock, the green fee was £10. Um, I had family connections up there, so I played it probably 35 years ago um, and fell in love with it straight away. It is just an idyllic setting. If the weather behaves, it can absolutely kill you if the weather is bad, but it's the most beautiful place to play. And I noticed that... Uh, 10 years or so ago, we had it way up to number 17 in the rankings. So it's actually, we've, it's one of those that's now found its way back to the right sort of place. And it's just moved up slightly because like many places, it's future-proofing too. So it has a new seventh hole designed by Tom McKenzie. We mentioned Kenzie and Ebert recently, which, which has made the seventh hole far more dramatic, heading out with a view out to the sea behind. Um, it's just a stunning place to play, and its its remote setting makes it all the more magical, I would say. And if you can, as as Mike said earlier, if you can have a hidden gem in the top 100, and if you even remotely can have a hidden gem in the top 10, then I guess this would probably be the one, wouldn't it? And from my experience, I don't know if you felt the same thing. It's one of the most welcoming golf clubs. I mean, you, when you get there, you wouldn't necessarily think that it's this place that has this amazing reputation that can sort of, I don't know, it just feels so inclusive and somewhere that anyone can go and enjoy. Well, I'd say it's clearly ahead of its time because when I've, in the days when I used to first play it, tra travelling up to the north, uh, I used to um, see players playing in jeans, playing in five balls. Um, and it is, it's a remarkably relaxed and friendly place. Yes, it is. It has no reason not to be. It's just it's about the golf. It's nothing about the stuffiness or, or anything else. It's just a superb place to go, a lovely place to stay. And there's some other beautiful courses in the area as well. So uh, it's, it's, 
you say it's a hidden gem, but it's also surprising. It's on sort of some world lists as well. People do really make the pilgrimage from the States and, and, and further afield to play it because of its, its history. Um, so it's, 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 it's less well known perhaps by, by local people because it's such a long way north. But uh, it, it's, it's just a wonderful place. Um, OK, moving on to number five, Mike. Great golf course. Another open golf course. Uh, what is it? It's Carnoustie. It's a championship course at Carnoustie. I know I said Port Russia was difficult. Carnoustie is even more difficult. Um, I, I just think it, it's a supreme test of golf. Um, but I do think it is. It's playable by all levels. You don't. There are no big, really big, intimidating carries. Um, and I think it's the pr probably the best example of um easy bogey hard par in the top 10 and by that i mean it, it's not you know you can, if you start mucking around with the barry burn you're going to get into <laughs> um or, or the out of bounds um you know the the, the borders um hogan's alley you you'll get you know you'll be you know you'll be racking up big numbers but actually i think it is you know if you you know, if you take the course, if you show the course respect, you can, you know, you can get round without, um, you know, sort of too much damage because it doesn't have these really intimidating carries, but it's a great strategic test of golf. It's in fantastic condition always. And what I love about, uh, I know we've got two courses that, that fit this billing um, in the top 10, it is effectively, oh, it's a municipal golf course. You know, you can be a member there, but it really is open access. They've got they're very forward thinking in their, in their you know, sort of opening up for tea bookings. They've got a brilliant new clubhouse that they put in for uh, the Open in 2018 that Francesco Molinari won uh, Link's house. And that's just great. It, it's so inclusive. They've got some some lots of great junior programs, lots of great community programs there. Um, but it is it's a seriously tough test to go. I think I think the, the better the goal for you are, the harder the test is. But it's um, yeah, it, it's really really impressive. Great golf course and a great halfway hut. Oh yeah, I mean obviously Tappers, we went up there and did some filming before the 2018 Open, and a key part of that filming was trying all the things in the halfway hut, which were some amazing pies and pastries all sorts of uh, stuff that probably not great for the waistline, but good for the soul for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Good, well, good, good, good memory. It comes after that fiendishly difficult. No, they were fiendishly difficult par fours there, but yeah, no, good, uh, definitely a, a, a must stop off place. The halfway hut at uh, Carnoustie for sure. Yeah. And, and actually a quick shout out to the halfway hut Sunningdale as well. Because oh, yeah. I'd be remiss not to mention that one. Um, so, Jez, moving on to number four on yeah. the list and um, just an absolute belter of a golf course that was always a brilliant golf course that got made significantly better. Is that a fair comment? I think that's a very fair comment. And if you're talking about halfway huts, they don't come better than Turnberries <laughs> in the base of the lighthouse there where you can actually stay the night for several thousand pounds if you want to but um it was before the previous rankings that uh ternary was overhauled under mr trump's uh, ownership and martin ebert's um guidance and what they did was strengthen actually strengthen some of the holes that a lot of people some of which a lot of people already thought were quite strong the ones right on the coast but the the, the old ninth hole was a sort of blind par four with a funny um convex fairway that threw your ball off and what they've done now is put in a fantastic par three with the green right beside the lighthouse and if you go off the very back tees you're basically getting over the shoreline 250 yards to the green um that and a lot of other changes as well have really strengthened the golf course so that last time it, it rose to our top spot because of those changes uh it's uh, just an unbelievable, it's probably the most spectacular setting of the courses on the open road. I don't think many would disagree with that. Maybe Port Rush, where the, the fifth hole is above the shore there, is, is in a similar vein. But in terms of being right on the shoreline, Turnbury has it more than any other open road course. 
And probably the, you know, a great example of what you were talking about, about how a golf course can already be brilliant and make itself even better. Um, because I don't think I've, I've spoken to a lot of people now who've played it since the changes were made. And I don't think I've spoken to a single person who hasn't said, yeah, it's better. And you wouldn't, yeah. and you, and you always, always would have thought going into that project, the thing you've got to guard against here is making it worse. <laughs> uh, and they haven't. So, yeah, well, it's that risk, isn't it, of drawing a moustache on a Mona Lisa? You, you don't want to risk that, do you? You've got to. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's obviously Trump was very bold in what he wanted to do. He wasn't, you know, pulling any punches um, in a way that some other courses maybe would have thought, oh, no, you know, we can't do that because we're already up there. Why would we want to? you know, potentially upset the apple cart. He just went in and did it and got uh, the most incredible reaction. Um, okay, so moving on, number three, a fantastic Scottish golf course, Rob, um, Muirfield. Muirfield, yes, it's frequently been our number one course. It is a supreme test of, of Lynx golf. It's um, uh, hosted many opens and produced some great champions. Uh, they've done some changes uh, since last time, but mainly to the clubhouse, clubhouse extension, and uh, more um, in the way of showing off the history in, inside. Um, so it stays at number three, which uh, I think is fair. But to be honest, when you get to this, these lofty heights, it's very difficult to pick between these wonderful open venues that we, we were talking about. Um, Muirfield, always, when I watch the Open, it always strikes me as being a really difficult test of golf. I guess they're all really difficult tests of golf, as you say, at this point. But a lot of people talk about it from an architectural standpoint, a kind of how the golf course is laid out and put together, that it's just a almost a perfect test of golf. Is that, is that a fair comment, Rob? I think you would say so, because the feedback from the golfers themselves says so, from good golfers. Um, the, uh, it's, it's difficulty will be defined by the wind and how much they bring the rough in, I think, to a large degree. But actually, once you get to the greens, it's just the, the subtle runoffs, the, 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 the mounding around the bunkers and so on is so sublime. It's just the perfect sort of evolution of a cult course from many years ago that, that's kept all his design um, uh, ethos but has moved with the times, but without losing its history. It's, it's a perfect blend of the old and new, I think, in many ways. Well said. Very good. Um, Mike, so question for you. Number two on our list is the old course mm. at St Andrews. Mm. How on earth can the old course at St Andrews not be number one? <laughs> because there's one course that we rank above. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's as a golf experience, I think it is... Um, in my opinion, it's it's unmatched to be walking the fairways that everybody from old Tom to Jack Nicholas to Tiger Woods, um, you know, every, anybody who's anybody who's played the game of golf has um, has walked those fairways, has probably felt the thrill of standing on the first tee and hitting down a super inviting um, fairway, um, and then you know the course heads out there are lots of subtle um you know sort of nuances that you can i mean you know tabas you were at university at Andrews. you play the course a lot of times you'll know that there are things that you find out even after playing the course 30 40 50 times there's bunkers you, you you'll end up in you think i don't remember that being there and it's possibly one that was you know really put in play for when the old course was played the other way around which a couple of i think it's once every two years they play it in reverse fergus visit one of our writers went and played it and he just said it's incredible actually that you know that some of the routings it, it all starts to make sense if you play it in reverse but whichever way you play it that, that there are so many subtleties about it there are so many thrills um there i think again um it's, it is playable by everybody. Like Carnegie, there are no big carries there. Um, you can get it in play. Um, you, you know, you can hit it left all day long um, and, and not get into a lot of trouble. Um, but coming back into town, once you make that turn uh, around the loop, and I think those holes around the loop are just out on the estuary are, you know, are, are fantastic. Once you start to make that turn for home and, it's just everything's recognisable. You're playing back into the town of St Andrews. Um, you know, just a great, great run of holes. 17, pr 
probably the hardest hole in the world. You know, you've got to take <laughs> that really aggressive line over the over the railway sheds, and even if you've hit a great drive, that's you, you've not even done half the job there. And then playing up eighteen, which is not a long hole, um, and then you know if you're a big hitter, and then if, if the winds at your back and fairways are firm, you could get it towards the front edge. You tappers have probably knocked it on in your time, um, but but playing into the home hole at St Andrews um, with, with, with the Hamilton Grand behind, with the RNA Clubhouse there, probably with people behind, you, you know, watching you play in. It's just a magical experience. And it, it's a great, you know, it's not, this is not just sort of heart overhead. It is a great golf course. There are so many clever design features there. You, you can, it's interesting that obviously, whenever they have the Dunhill links there and players shoot quite low scores, they say, oh, the old course, you know, is it, it, it can't be defended against a modern game. Well, in Dunhill links, of course, you know, you've got everybody from, you know, from higher handicappers, the AMs playing for, you know, up to, you know, the world's best players. So you have to make it quite user-friendly. But actually, you could put the pins in some unbelievably fiendish spots. And if the wind blew, you would do well to... You know, even as one of the world's best players, you'd do well to break seventy. But it, but, but that's the thing; it can challenge the world's best players, but it can also be very friendly and you know accessible for you know sort of higher handicappers as well. And that's the beauty of it. But that experience is it's something I know probably every golfer aspires. You do get some people who say, "Oh, it didn't quite live up to my expectations," uh, and it doesn't have the huge dunes of know of a turnbury um but it is just uh i think the best experience in our top 100 yeah and, and i would say for that last point mike that, that from my experience that the more i played it the better the golf course got yeah. it was one of those that you start to really appreciate um well i did i mean other people might mm. appreciate it from the first moment they they play i started to appreciate the nuance of how how tricky it was to put a good great score together yeah. i always felt that it was fairly straightforward to put an acceptable score together and i yeah. could do that but what i wasn't able to do is put together a really good score and actually that's where it's it sort of it's quite a nuanced um golf course and it is a, it is a great golf course anyway i feel like i'm padding out time here because we've got to our number one slots jez the honor befalls on you to tell us what came out as number one on our list of top 100 golf courses well, in the uk and Ireland. yes it's uh, the first time we've got rural county downs uh Championship course or old course, I can't remember what it's called. Championship, Championship. is it? Championship, yeah. yes. Um, same sort of thing, really. It's, 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 um, it's people have often said, Why is that not number one? Um, a lot of people, even in world lists, sometimes have county down at number one. Um, and it's a fantastic place to play golf. It's probably, probably the most magical setting of all the old links with the, the mountains in the background see on your right as you head out lots of um little quirks and a few blind shots some people aren't so keen on the blind shots but um i think one of the things that has maybe just pushed it over the edge this time and don't forget we're splitting hairs here in this upper you know top 10 10 percent they're all so closely matched it can just be one little thing that maybe tips the balance in favor of one over another and they've put a few new tees in a little bit of bunkering work They've taken a ridge down that has allowed a bit more visibility on the second hole, and perhaps critical for many, they've taken the uh, the pond out that was on the 17th fairway, which many people found a little bit incongruous for an old traditional links, although as I, I believe it was always there. A lot of people just felt it wasn't quite what they were expecting to see on a, a links fairway coming down the stretch. Um, well, I'm told that that is no longer there. I've not seen it for myself yet, but... The pond has gone, and I believe they're, they're still pondering exactly what will go in in its place there. But Pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's uh, it's just a fantastic place to play golf. It's it's um, Again, you're sort of, this time twice, you're playing back towards the town and those recognisable buildings on the skyline and the mountains beyond. It's um, It's got everything, really, and I guess that's why it's now number one for us this time around. And Rob and Mike, do you want to add a few of your experiences of Royal County Down? Um, I was lucky enough to go back there about 
two years ago, maybe three years ago, and play both courses. And I will say that if you're playing our new number one, you should absolutely try and play the Annesley 18-holer uh, uh, on, on the same side, which is lovely, but short. You get round in two and a half hours. But it's the setting more than anything, isn't it? I, I mentioned earlier that for me, um, it's what you look at in front of you on the whole, and then what you look at around you. Well, County Down absolutely has it, hasn't it? The mountains are morn and the sea. It's just the, the most sublime setting. It, 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 it be, even for me, it'd be impossible to take a bad photograph. Um, it's just a beautiful looking place, and um, I would recommend it to anybody. But perhaps try, try it when the wind is down, though. Yeah, I've I played it a few times. Don't think the wind's ever been up, but I've always scored very poorly around there. I think the first time I played it, I, I doubt I kept it inside three figures, and maybe I've maybe I would think sort of high eighties, and I you know I play off nine. You know, high eighties is probably the the best I've ever shot around there. It's not diminished my enjoyment of it. Um, it's a difficult golf course for sure. Um, but yeah, the, uh, as Rob said, the, the, the views are incredible, whichever way, you know, you, wherever you stand, there are some um, some amazing vantage points. But equally, some of the holes that sort of play in and out of the dunes where, where you don't, you know, you're playing away from the mountains of Morn um, are, are great. There's a lot of variety there, always in fantastic condition and, and a really, really warm welcome. They've got a great set up for visitors you, you are very you, you're welcome with open arms you know it's a bit of a cliche isn't it the sort of you know the crack the you know the welcome in ireland but it's it is really good they've got a superb visitor um set up there you, you, you great facilities and you are made to feel really really welcome so yeah I, i've not played the second course but the last time i went they'd just done some some work on it and looking out i just I want to get back, yes, to play the championship course, but also to play the play the second course as well. So I think, you know, as we've said, you know, perhaps the, the top four, I would say, in our top 10 are almost interchangeable. Uh, and maybe on a different day with, you know, a different sort of uh, outlook or the wind blowing metaphorically, you know, a different way, we might have come up with, um, you know, a different one to four, but they're all, you know, I think, all, all that top the top four would you wouldn't really raise an eyebrow if 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 either of them was was at number one but i'm pleased county down has has made it to number one this time as rob said it makes number one on a number of the world lists so i don't think we're out of we're out of kilter by putting it at, at number one this time but yeah some great great courses in the top 10 they're all links of course and i think that's you know something which is um, always a talking point, but there are a lot of great inland courses running our top 100. Um, yes, and so for, I mean, for anyone interested, uh, you can find uh, the list of top 100 golf courses in the UK and Ireland on the Golf Monthly website. Better still, pick up a copy of the May issue of Golf Monthly, where you will not only find that list, but you'll also find all of the writing that the guys have put together about it where you go into more detail about a lot more courses, a lot more areas. And hopefully I know a lot of people currently stuck in lockdown or in just not in a massively enjoyable place, that this is a great combination of inspiration for the future and a bit of escapism, hopefully, you know, triggering some kind of excitement in the, one of the main hobbies that you've got an interest in i always find it one of the most enjoyable things to do and i'm not the only one to sit there every year even though i mean i i mean every year i'll sit there and i'll tick off the ones i've played um and i'm sure there are lots of people listening to this who, who do the same thing now i want to finish up i've got one more question to ask all of you i'm going to put you on the spot here i'm not going to ask you what your favorite golf course is because i think the list of top 10 kind of we've covered off great golf courses so i don't want to do that what i do want to do is ask you what your favourite hole would be. So if I, you, you could go out and play one golf hole from the courses in our top 100, which hole would it be? Shall I go first? Because I think I've just come up with one that, no, but the trouble is I might have beaten Jez to it. In answer to your question, that if I had to pick one hole in the top 100, I would go for an opening hole, the one at um, Doonbeg in Ireland. And the reason being, it is such a sublime hole in itself. 
but it sets the tone for what's ahead. It really gets your, your juices going. If, you, if you're lucky enough to go there the night before and stay at the place or just turn up and you look out at the course, you see that first hole and it absolutely excites you and makes you salivate and draws you in. It, it's, it's just so good looking that it makes you want to play the course. And for me, anything that excites has to be a good thing. What, what is it? Par four? It's par five. Short, shortish par five. Unless they've changed. <laughs> I think it's worth, worth saying one of the big things about that hole is the towering amphitheatre of dunes all around the back of the green just give you a real buzz as you're playing your approach, whether you're having a go in two or playing a wedge in for your third. It's just a, it's like a, almost like a Colosseum effect, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, it is. It like, is real theatre golf, yeah. yeah. Who wants to go next? Go on, Chetta. Well, I'm going to go with. I'm going to, how about a two-hole stretch, Tappers? I always. Oh, think, here we go. There's a way. I always one. think the uh, the Sunningdale New, the par three fifth, and the par five sixth that follow it is. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Possibly two of the best holes back to back. You you could play anywhere. So contrasting. Hundred and I don't know, sixty-yard par three, and then a big sweeping uh, left to right par five. Almost a bit like one of those bank curves on a Scalectric set of old. Um, you stand on both those tees and you think, you know, this is pretty much right up there for 25 minutes of the best golf you could ever play anywhere. So yeah. I'll, I'll put those two forward. And the tee on the par five, Jez, if, I mean, this might tell you a lot about my golfing psyche, but it's one of those that I feel like there's a million miles in which I could lose my... Yeah, and there is, yeah. It's um, it's an elevated tee, isn't it? And, uh, you know, yeah. you, you would tap as you would be hoping to get up there in two i've in years gone by got up there in two but you've got to hit it in just the right place to be able to do that you've got to be over on the left and be coming straight up the fairway so there's a lot of strategy involved and there's a massive tier in the green as well isn't there so if you're on the wrong tier there it's uh three putts still, isn't it it is it is uh, okay mike so what's yours Ooh. Um, this could be one of the hardest questions <laughs> in world golf um and i'm very glad i got to go third um, so I am going to go for the fifth hole at Royal North Devon. Now I'm a country member down there; I haven't been down for a few years. Um, but actually, I've got a, uh, I've got a picture of the hole um, on the wall behind me. And what I love about it is um, Royal North Devon is golf in the raw. If you want to um, experience what golf was like, probably at the at the turn of the last century. Go, go and play at Royal North Devon. It is, it, it's the opposite of manicured. Um, it, it's a wild place, but it's unbelievably welcome. It's the least royal of any Royal Golf Club I think I've ever been to. Uh, and this par three, I, I, I love it because, I love it, oh, I love all par threes because you always think I've got a chance of, you know, maybe not a hole in one, but, it, but a chance of a, a birdie at least. And it's a lovely, it's inviting you play up to this, great sort of tabletop green i think it's actually called table the hole um got surrounded by bunkers you know there's sort of disaster waiting for you but actually it's quite a generous um green there but what i what i think what i love almost more about about it is the fact that there's a bench behind it there's this little crest um of a dune and often you know you play into it and sat on the bench will be a family or a group of people who are not interested in golf. And they're just, they're sat there because it's an amazing view. And they'll be watching you having just walked off with a five or a two or whatever you've had. Um, and it's this incredible setting. And you walk up from the, from the green to the sixth tee. Um, and you look back at the green. And then you've basically got 360 degrees of, of inspiration. You look over to Saunton in one direction, back to the town of Westwood Ho. And the sixth hole is brilliant. And I have to say that um, might sound a bit moribund to say this, but sort of when I um, uh, when I sign off from this mortal coil, I'd like my ashes scattered um, just up there on the uh, up by the fifth green, sixth tee at Royal North Devon. It's an incredible spot. Got to say, golf in the raw, pure inspiration. Um, but I could have picked a hundred other golf hole but but for me that just i think is my is my favorite in the top 100 perfect well well said well that's it thanks for listening um that's our discussion that concludes our 
a bit on the top 100 golf courses in the UK and Ireland. If you have any comments, please send them through to us. Uh, let us know which golf courses you think should have been included. I'm sure Jez and Rob aren't sick to the sight yeah. of uh, the idea of people saying, what about our golf course? What about our golf course? It's a very difficult job to put together a top 100 list. But hopefully, if you see it, you'll be able to see the work that's gone into it. And um, there are some truly inspirational golf courses on there. So uh, that's it for now. We'll see you next time. <laughs>